Welcome to the Jackie Service Show. I'm Jackie Service, where we are talking all things people strategy, entrepreneurship, and how hiring the right humans will unlock the next phase of growth in your business. As a former corporate VP of HR, my life completely shifted when I learned I had a brain tumor. From this moment forward, I knew that there was more. I dove headfirst into healing, mindset work, and spirituality. And from this space, my entrepreneur journey was born. Now I am a people strategist and founder of Serve Recruitment Agency, a boutique recruitment firm that helps scaling companies hire aligned leaders for growth. In this podcast, I'm going to share about my business journey, entrepreneurship, leadership, and how hiring the right humans unlocks massive potential. Welcome to the show. Are you confused about hiring? You're not alone. Majority of leaders struggle to figure out who they need, in what roles, and when, and how these people will have the greatest impact on the growth of their business. This is why we created People Strategy Sessions to do a deep dive into your business and help you build a clear roadmap on the talent you need to drive sustainable growth. We dive into your greater why, where you are today in your business, where you want to go in your business from a growth standpoint, and ultimately, who do you need to enable that growth overall? For more information, please send an email to Jackie at JackieService.com or feel free to reach out at JackieService across all platforms. Welcome back to another episode of the Jackie Service Show. This one is really near and dear to my heart. And when I was quote unquote prepping before pressing record, my prep for this conversation was simply to light some Palo Santo, light a little bit of sage and drop in. Because I have a friend of mine that I have known, oh gosh, 15 years, at least 15 years. And when we met, we were in a very different place in our life. And it's so beautiful to welcome you back to the show or welcome you back to have a conversation together and do it in this capacity where we get to bring other people with us and and serve. But Nathania Harrison, welcome to the show. Mm, thank you for having me. It's so easy for me to want to call you Nathania Dashner. <laughs> I'm like very quick to go there and like catch yourself. We have a new name and yeah, I'm so grateful for your time and energy just to pour in with us today. Uh, I think it's going to be a very uplifting, soul-filling conversation. Every time I meet with you, it always goes in that direction. So I'm excited to see where today takes us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I tend to have this scripted start so we can drop in. And to be honest with you, I'm being called not to go there and just actually open this up for conversation and to start with you by simply sharing a little bit about your background and story as to where we met 15 years ago as corporate women climbing a ladder to where we are today. And, and then let's start to pull some of those apart. Cause I know there's going to be so much goodness just in your story in itself. Yeah. My story is, you know, it's felt so complex, but looking back at it, it really was quite simple. Um, I went to, I'm from the East coast. I moved to Toronto in an effort to, 
learn and grow and expand. Um, and I took uh, my business degree and then I had a very traditional path through corporate where I worked at an agency and then I went and worked client side. And that's where you and I met at Pepsi. Pepsi provided me with the most incredible, solid leadership foundation that I've ever experienced in my life. From there, I moved on to work at Nike Canada, where I led the women's category. And arguably, I had arrived in what I would call my dream job. And so here I was in my early 30s, married, two children under the age of two, and I wasn't happy. I was actually suffering from debilitating anxiety, from depression that would leave me in bed for days, sometimes weeks at a time. And little to no resiliency. So I was very ambitious still, and I would say I was still high performing, but there was an undercurrent of sadness and grief and mistrust. And, you know, despite everything I had accomplished, just unease. And so it was at that moment in my life where I decided to leave my corporate job and I'll never forget. I mean, you know, Dave Monker. Well, I never forget calling him a mentor of mine and saying, is this the wrong idea? I've worked so hard to get where I am. If I take a year or two off to be with my family, to reset, what does that look like on my resume? Like that's all I could think about. I mean, I was evaluating my mental health against my career and in hindsight, I mean, of course, I'm still hireable. Of course, I would bounce right back. But in that moment, I felt like it would be the death of me. And he gave me the reassurance I need needed to hear. And so I left. And, you know, in those, I was supposed to be two years. It's now been 10 years. Um, but within the first two months, I uh, questioned every decision I made. I had a ton of fear and anxiety. Both my husband and I were equal contributors to our income at that point. Um, and I just had a lot of fear. And so in that fear, I had to uncover um, different ways to cope. And for me, movement has always been healing. Movement has always been not a method to look good, but a method in which I feel feel good. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to understand that why, and it's not like raising two children on my own at home was, you know, gave me an abundance of time, but it did give me a little bit more space to think and to create and to wander and be curious about, you know, different avenues of growth for myself until I was ready when I thought to go back to corporate. And so I started to invest in just like certifications on movement, my bar certification, my spin certification, my um, Pilates, my yoga. And before I realized it, I was practice teaching in my backyard for my exams. I'd invite neighbors and friends over. And within a couple of months, I had passed those exams and there was no room left in my backyard. We were completely at capacity. So I was like, well, I want to keep doing this. This feels good. Teaching totally for free, just trying to create a sense of belonging and community for myself. And so I rented space at a local dance studio and still teaching for free, still like never thinking I would ever monetize this service that I had to offer. But I started noticing a lot of women mostly women gravitate through word of mouth to these classes I was offering. And then through the advice of multiple friends, I started charging for it. And then I started seeing women want to understand this modality more that I was using movement as medicine. 
So I started training them and they started offering classes with me. And then it did get to a point about six years in where, okay, I think it's time for our own space. And so I took my life savings. I took everything I'd saved over those six years and I leased 4,000 square feet and I renovated it from the studs uh, out. And then right before the pandemic, March, 2020, shut everything down, I opened. (laughs) (laughs) So I opened a studio, a movement studio, right before the pandemic, right before Ontario said for two years, you will not open. Mm-hmm. And so being a new business, um, I was not qual. I did not qualify for a single um, dollar from the government, no rent wow. relief. So for two years, I paid all of my rent, all of you, my utilities, all of my expenses for software that I wasn't using. Um, and I just said, we're going to figure this out. And you know what, the community that I had worked so hard and people had helped me build over the last six years, they rose to the occasion and they said, we'll move online with you. Um, they welcomed me into their corporate environments to lead mindfulness and, and breathwork sessions. And it just, it worked. And now we're four years later, two years shut down, two years open, and we're welcoming upwards of 6,000 women a month into the studio. And it is thriving. Wow. 6,000 members. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a, incredible. That's the visits per month we're at. And it's just, it's, it's an incredible feeling. Yeah. And, and I say that because our worlds came back together during the pandemic when you went online, because I'm three hours outside of the city. And, you know, if I was in the city, I was always interested to come and see your space. And yet, you know, timing didn't work from a divine timing standpoint. And so here I was in COVID in my own small community, small town. And now all of a sudden you were offering these online classes. And I remember both you and Sylvia would, would do different classes and I got access to it. And if you have not checked out Nathania and her studio called SOAR, please do. Because when we think about movement, we're not talking about your everyday gym class, which you and I have been to many of, and it's something that bonded us so deeply when we first met. It's this beautiful modality of movement combined with music, combined with word and wisdom that's speaking through you, which is empowering all the community that's in there. And there's a vibrational frequency or pull that just calls all these women in. And it is as powerful as I have seen any movement modality, because it's beyond movement for me. When I when I was a part of it, it's beyond movement. And I know you've really stepped into, when we move as women, it can shift energy in our body. And it can call up all sorts of different stories, beliefs, emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know they, you've really tapped into that now. What have you noticed about having your, you have 6,000 visits per month. What have you, what are some of the trends that come to the forefront of what you see in the energetics behind the women that you work with on a monthly basis? 
Well, I think our community attracts like-minded women. I mean, I haven't spent any money on marketing and as a marketer, that feels really I know. weird. <laughs> it's like you are like a, you are a high level professional marketer and this has been a referral based community. It has, it has been this beautiful, organic, like-minded um, uh, group of women. And, you know, as soon as you walk through the doors, you see a sign and the sign says you belong here. Mm-hmm. And so that for me is everything because I feel like I went through life and I never really belonged. I feel like I fit in, in a lot of places. And, you know, when I think about this notion of fitting in and belonging, fitting in means you have to change who you are to be Mm. accepted. Whereas belonging means however you are, you're accepted. And so that was really important to me. And I think from that foundation of vulnerability, of encouraging women, giving them permission to show up at the capacity that they're in in that moment, whether it be messy, whether it be perfect, but both belonged, both were accepted. Each of us have all of these parts, invisible parts that we don't show the world, Mm -hmm. visible parts that we do show the world. And I believe those invisible parts are actually what connect us. Those invisible parts, there are struggles, there are vulnerabilities, they are our discomfort. And when we give ourselves the permission to show others those parts of ourselves, that's what connects us. That's what bonds us. That's what builds that bridge to connection from one human soul to the other. And so the whole foundation of how SOAR was created was giving women, there are some men, giving women and men and people and humans this opportunity to show up as they are. Yeah. And the resonance of that for me is how often are we walking around trying to fit in mm-hmm. and looking for that community? I, I've said it myself often, having come from cities and moving to a small town, right? I, I had this narrative for so long and there was this story I had created in my head, which sounded something like this. There's no one here that gets me. Mm-hmm. I'm different than everyone here. And In the last couple of years, it was really in the last two years post-COVID, you know, I really surrendered to this whole idea of, well, what if that was just a story? What if that is just a story? And what if I open myself up to the possibility of dot, 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 whatever it was, connection, community, seeing things through a different lens. Mm -hmm. And And I believe that, yeah, go ahead. It's like, it was almost immediately as I made that shift in perspective, which you and I talked offline. I'd love to talk about the shift that we can make. I was in a Pilates class and the girl beside me said, Hey, I'm going to go hop in the ice cold lake after this. Do you want to come? And I was like, well, I don't have anything to do that. Like, can I go on what I'm wearing? She's like, I have an extra towel. Just say yes. Mm. Hello universe. Yes. (laughs) And here lies this community that now has opened up for me here locally, where we're cool plunging and hot, hot therapy contrasting and breath work and workouts and movements with just a new group of individuals who were always here. I just didn't know. I was not open to receive them or find them. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious when women show up to your space, how many 
share that feedback with you around, you know, I walk into a space that says you belong here and I've been seeking community and like-minded vibration for so long. I believe that it starts and it's like any organization, any organization, but it really begins at the level of, you know, the leadership. So our leadership team is our team of trainers. And so all of our trainers have to go through our return to you program. Mm -hmm. And our return to you program is really about giving them the tools they need to look inwards, to embrace their mess, their struggle, their vulnerabilities, and then share that openly. And so we have a purple mat that we teach from. And we always say when we step onto that purple mat, that is our opportunity to be vulnerable and to share our work with the world by teaching, we benefit. And by teaching the community sees the vulnerability and can mirror it. It's those mirror neurons, right? So (laughs) it really begins with us, the trainer team stepping onto that purple mat and showing that it's okay to be vulnerable, showing that it's okay to be imperfect and to make mistakes and to fail and to actually not hide that from the world, but embrace it as part of our journey. And so I do believe that if we can encourage that, then the trickle down effect, the mirroring of neurons, people looking at it and saying, this is acceptable here. This is something I can do. This is something I not only can offer, but can be rewarded and celebrated for. Then you create the safe environment for them to do it because that container of safety to allow and open that energy that you talked about that creates those connections beside you, in front of you, behind you. That's, I think, what we're all seeking is just permission to open. Mm. And why is it or why from your own experience or from the lens that you see the world through, why is it that we collectively as humans shut down or don't show that invisible side of ourself. What is the conditioning or the paradox as to why we believe, you know, I I catch myself. It's like I hide sometimes, Mm. right? I'll have something I'm going through and I just, I just shut down instead of leaning into it. Why is that? What do you see? I think that belongs to, I think that's okay. You know, I always use the term that I like to share from my scars versus my Mm. wounds, (laughs) right? And so I truly believe um, that that healing process can look however it needs, as long as at one point you feel like you can open up. And, you know, I'll speak from my experience. I grew up in an environment where perfection was celebrated and not in a bad way. I truly believe that my parents wanted the very best for me. And, you know, maybe they didn't even tell me, maybe I just saw them living it. I'm not sure, but I truly believe that that ambition I saw in them, that seeking for perfection, for approval, for validation, it was only gained when we showed our best selves. And so of course, we're going to grow up thinking that that's how we present ourselves to the world. But What I found, I found that only presenting that one side of myself, my strength, actually felt really hard and Mm. it caused a lot of resistance in my body and it caused me to feel inauthentic to who I was, which then caused me to feel the anxiety and the shame and the unworthiness as if these parts of me that I was hiding 
were actually bad. And what I'm learning is that, no, they're what make me beautiful. They're what make me whole. And I have to show the world both because it just feels so much easier in my body when I do. Mm. That, uh, I mean, so much so. The the feeling of a regulated nervous system, one of which I did not know what felt like, and I'm still always, it's an ebb and flow. It's a constant journey to find where that peace is within that nervous system for me. Um, but the moments in my life that I have found a regulated, peaceful nervous system have been the times where I felt like I had nothing to hide. There was nothing to hide. I could just be all of me, messy, uncomfortable, and all the good, right? So whatever we call quote unquote good, but even the labels that we as society condition onto humans in general has been this really interesting unfolding for me as a woman, as a mother, as a business owner, as a human to get clear on whose voice is talking right now and where, where is this coming from? So just a lot of self-exploration and and navigation. And I sense you've been through a similar journey of just constantly iterating and looking within in order to, I mean, frankly, you have an entire program and I will say book, which I have beside me um, for those watching um, called return to you, which is this whole energetic around all the answers are right here. How do we come back to self? How do we just come back to what is truth within ourselves? And I'd love to maybe tap into your journey a little bit more and understand how you went from corporate executive in massive roles to, yes, starting this business, but where was the line of purpose or where was the line of calling that continued to be the, a through line for you? I would say it. It was in my own healing journey. And, you know, when I was 18, I had a nervous breakdown in university. Um, And that was like, you you think about the branches of your journey. That was one of those branches where I just kind of got off the road for a minute. And I had like literally had to pause. I was pulled out of school. I had to reevaluate everything that was happening in my life. And I had to seek guidance, like, true guidance. And the path that was put forth in front of me just automatically was that one, that of, you know, medication, antidepressants, um, what I felt in that time for me, for me didn't work. And for others I know does work. And I acknowledge that and I respect that journey. And so it kind of started this, just this awareness. Okay. What I eat matters how much alcohol I drink or don't drink matters, how much caffeine I have, sugar, how I move my body. It just started making me aware of this whole other realm that is mental health, mental health. And so in that awareness, I started that corporate journey. And then I got to the point where I was like, okay, I made a commitment to myself at 18. Here I am 12 years later. I mean, I'm eating a little bit better. And I'm, I'm eating a lot better. I'm moving my body. I'm going to talk therapy. I mean, I'm doing check, check, check all of the things, but I hadn't quite started that spiritual Mm -hmm. work yet. I hadn't Mm -hmm. quite started that connection 
to self and alignment to self and what patterns weren't serving me and what work wasn't, was getting in my way. Right. And so that's where I started this whole journey, um, which is in return to you, but this whole intro, um, guidance, like guidance from self. And so it really started with, you know, I love science. And so I felt like, you know, some paths I took for spirituality felt, I hate the word woo woo, but it felt, you know, people Mm -hmm. can relate to that. It just felt out there. It felt too much for me, but I loved the path of science. And what I love is that science is really starting to support this whole spiritual journey that many people are on. And it got me to neuroplasticity and it got me to realize that, you know, how many thoughts, 70,000 thoughts a day we have, how many are negative, probably 70 to 80%. Why is that? Well, that the brain can't actually operate in a conscious way for more than 5% of your day. So I started realizing, I was like, okay, if I'm stuck in this loop, 95% of my thoughts are the thoughts I had yesterday, the day before, 10 years ago. Every thought I have is based on what's familiar to me. Mm. So how can I expect change? How can I expect opening? How can I expect expansion if I'm just doing, I mean, isn't that the definition of insanity? You keep doing the same thing over and over and expect change, but there's no change. Mm. So that's where I got into this path of, okay, awareness of thoughts. Are they serving me? Tune in. How do they feel in my body? Feels good. Great. Continue the thought feels bad. What do I need right now? What direction can I take agency? mindfulness, awareness. This isn't serving me. It's time to move in a different direction off the super highway into the country road, right? Slow down. And so it's in this work that I literally took onto our mats. And so when you're on your mat with me, we are intentionally engaging discomfort in the body because getting off the easy super highway where you can go fast and you don't have to even think about what way you're going. And somehow you just arrive there, that autopilot, Mm-hmm. it actually is really uncomfortable on that country road. It's bumpy. There's, you know, different things in our way. A, a tree has fallen and nobody's been there to remove it. So we got to get out and remove it. And there's just all of these obstacles, but it doesn't mean it's not worth taking. It's taking me somewhere new. So I got to do that work. So I int- intentionally engage the discomfort in my body. And then I start to practice and strengthen the tools that help me stay in that discomfort. I remind us to breathe. How does that feel? I remind us to coach ourselves and not wait for the external validation of others to be our own cheerleader, right? I remind us that pausing and taking rest doesn't mean we failed. It means that we're gaining the strength to get back into the work and do it even more. So we just look at all of these different tools and we practice them and we strengthen them. We use sound in our classes. We express out what doesn't serve us. We use movement, vigorous shaking. I mean, it sounds so weird. And yet it's what disrupts those neurons. It's what literally collapses us and pulls us off the highway, that super highway, so we can get onto the country road. We just must, because we are conditioned to think one way, we must practice and strengthen the ability to think another way. Mm. And isn't it the times, like, I just think about this myself, right? I think, but like, like, let's think about the body as, as a, as a metaphor here. And 
how I would for so many years do repeat similar activities. So Monday I would run and Tuesday I would swim and Thursday I would go to the Pilates class. And it was like the same routine constantly. And one of the things within your environment that I just find so juicy and so different than any other place is in this, in what you just said, my body is shaking up and we're doing different styles of movement in a different way, including shaking and using our voice to articulate or scream out the energy that's been stuck within my body. And one of the things that I have found, which has been so such a beautiful realization for me is it's when I crack open or get rid of something that I now have some damn space to allow light, love, some new thought or perspective in. But if I keep everything the same all the time, if I'm just driving down the highway and I don't take a left to the country road, there's never space for me. And so it's in the moments where I find myself and I love routine and ritual and habits, do not get me wrong. And yet there are spaces and times where I need to take a left instead of going straight because this, the body and the movement capacity is, is stale. There's the, the energy is just circulating the same. And so the 95% of the thoughts that I thought yesterday are currently happening today. And what I love is this like interruption or this pattern interrupt in which the movement you do offers. So I'm curious for you, is there an energetic moment just even in the container in which you're holding where you can actually see and witness the humans that are in your environment finally let go and allow? Yeah, I always like to say I see I see women soar. Mm. Like literally, I mean, the, the studio name is soar, S-A-O-R, and it's a Gaelic term and it means to be free. And so that's literally what we're trying to do on our mat is to free ourselves of what we know so we can create space to hear the whisper of our heart, right? So out of familiar, what's familiar to us and into good, what is good for us? The mind doesn't know what's good for us. So there's multiple points in the class to answer your question when I see that. And I believe, you know, I could be specific about what movement we're doing, but I really believe it's in the moment where she stops judging herself. Mm -hmm. Judgment mm -hmm. creates this container, right? It's judgment and shame. It turns off our learning receptors. It puts us in this box where we can't actually get out of. And so in that moment of judgment and shame, it's like they choose to see, see love, to feel compassion. And they literally see themselves free of all of those limiting patterns, all of those limiting beliefs, all of those limiting stories, all of those super highway synapses that just aren't serving them anymore. And they give themselves that gift of love and compassion and allow themselves to move as they need, move as they feel good. And it's, I mean, it's the most, it's a miracle, a shift from fear to love. It's a miracle. Amen to that. Amen to that. For those that have not read A Course in Miracles <laughs> and or A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson, mm -hmm. put it on your bookshelf. Mm -hmm. It'll open some beautiful new thoughts for you. Mm -hmm. 
One of the things that just came to mind, it came to my heart very, very loudly when we were just talking about this or when I, when I shared one of the things that I love is within your classes, you give permission to use the voice to get out the stale energy. And I've witnessed for myself in my own story that sometimes my voice can get clogged up or it feels stuck or I'm not fully using my voice to share. I'm curious about your journey there because you, your language, and I've witnessed you in class and I witnessed you in return to you, your program that you run. I've been a part of both of those. It's like the words come through you. And it's like a vibrational essence in which you bring. I'm curious about women using their voice in particular and your story of finding your voice in order to serve the way that you serve today. What has that looked like? I have a, a great story from um, Pepsi, one of my most amazing mentors. Um, I started working for her. And within a couple of weeks, she sat me down and she says, listen, I just got to give you some feedback I've heard some, you know, from some of the executives that you work with, um, but you're just being a bit too kind. Your gratitude for others and your compliments and your generosity, it's just coming across as inauthentic. Mm. And my heart broke, like broke into. And that wasn't the first time that I was told I was too much. That wasn't the first time that I was told I was too nice or over the top or too optimistic. And I had to dial it back. And I really respected this manager, this woman. And so I took it to heart and I said, okay, okay. I, I don't want to ever come across as disingenuine or too much. And, and I went away. And a couple of weeks later, we were on a conference call with a bunch of um, regional um, managers. And my boss was giving um, a presentation and she was delivering it like so strong. And she had all of these men just attacking her with questions and with demands and with complaints and why the business wasn't doing better and what needed to be done and what she wasn't doing. And she handled herself like a pro, like she just stood grounded and she like, she just delivered everything she needed to with strength. And I wasn't in the room with her and I didn't know what was actually happening. I was just listening in. And so I sent her an email afterwards and I almost didn't send it, but I had to, I just said, I want you to know like what you just did was the most powerful thing I ever witnessed. And I'm grateful for you. You just taught me the importance of standing for myself. That was a Friday afternoon. I didn't hear back. I was like, oh shoot, did I overstep? She called me into her office on Monday. She was in tears. She says, I owe you an apology. And she said, what you gave me on Friday was the greatest gift because I walked away from that meeting feeling unworthy, like less than, you know, that I had failed, that I was like, I felt like I wanted to quit. And she said, in that moment, you reminded me of how powerful I was. And in doing so, she gave me permission. She said, I want to apologize for giving you that feedback before. You are not too much. Your love is needed. Your kindness is, is, is important. And so it gave me permission in that moment, her ability to see me fully and wholly as I was authentically and genuinely. She gave me that permission to use my voice, even when people tell me not to, even when people tell me it's too much. And so whether or not she realizes it, it was the best gift that ever, that I was ever given. And it was in that moment that I decided that no matter what happened, and I do mm. 
believe this can be a female dynamic in a very male centric world. But I believe that we are meant to stand our ground, to use our voice. And that if we can just trust that intuition, that even if it doesn't please everybody around us, if it is aligned to the essence and the truth of who we are, it matters. And it will touch someone on some level. And that was very early in my career. I was probably 24, 25, and it stuck with me and it's grown. And I always try to encourage women in our classes to make sound. I want them to breathe loudly. I want them to grunt. I want them to groan. I want them to swear. I want them to scream. I want them to hoot and holler because what we practice on that mat, we get to use in life. So when we give ourselves permission to yell in class and for, for it to sound weird or or just like not right because we haven't been doing it, then all of a sudden we're like, oh, that felt really good. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to use that in, <laughs> in my life more, right? But it's the safe space to practice it. So powerful. It's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that story. It's There's such truth where we can go back to these pivotal moments in our life that really made an impact to how we show up today. And we're and- going to get that feedback. We're going to get... People are going to share how they feel Mm. based on their perspective of their world, but we don't have to take it on. And if Mm. we did take it on, we can start shedding it now. Ooh, talk about, I want to, I want to like pull on that a little bit more. Talk about feedback and your perception around feedback, because we hear a lot of the times that feedback is a gift and it can be a gift. It can be a beautiful mirror back to us about how the perception of others through their lens, how they're viewing us, et cetera. But talk about feedback and what role feedback has had for you in your life. And specifically as well, I'm curious about feedback as an entrepreneur. Mm. I am very open and very receptive. They call, what do they call me? Coachable, right? I love feedback. Feedback Um, once I can get over the initial shock to my ego has always proven to take me somewhere new. And so I've always been open to it. And I've noticed as a leader in this community, when I give feedback, it's not always the same. Other people are not always as receptive or open to it. So a couple of tricks I've learned along the way that has allowed my feedback to be, you know, received in a better, more productive way. The first one is to give people permission not to take it on. So I always say feedback is like clothes, right? I'm going to share my clothes with you. This is my perspective of the world. This is what I've learned. Try it on. If it fits, keep it. It's yours. If it doesn't fit, put it down, take Mm. it off. And I, I believe that that permission right away, that if it doesn't fit, don't keep it, gives them permission to still be themselves. It gives them permission to still truly align with what matters to them and then grow from there if they can. And then I always tell people, I always say, are you open to feedback? I ask, Mm -hmm. is this, are you in a space where you'd like to receive some feedback? And then if they are, I always remind them that it's coming from a place of love and it's coming from a place of, um, trust. I trust that, you know, this feedback can provide you with some value. And if it isn't going to, I just don't say it. Right. I think that's really important. Not saying feedback when um, there's no feedback needed. And then, I mean, this is 
probably something you've heard and everybody else has heard, but I am such a believer in the importance of a sandwich feedback, right? The feedback sandwich where you really, I always try to start with where are you doing great? What's working? Let's celebrate that. And then here, here's a little something that I believe could allow you to step into even more power. And then by the way, close it with how great you're doing, how much value you're contributing to this community and how important you are and how much I need you. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like if we can, um, we can give feedback with some of that in mind, it's just received a little bit better. And I would say as an entrepreneur, it is really hard to find feedback because I don't believe that people, um, I don't know if it's a courage thing. I was going to say courageous, but I believe that it's hard for people to give someone empower feedback. But I would say from an entrepreneur, um, and a leader that it's something that I desire. Mm. It's something that I open, I am open to, and I would love more of. Otherwise it can, you can be seeking it from the wrong places because really our community, I always say, if we get, um, feedback from a community member about their experience in our studio, then a minimum of 10 other people are thinking it. And it's like the most valuable thing. Like anybody who complains to us or shares an experience that wasn't pleasant with us. I'm like, you are everything because you are showing something we don't know. We are showing us a way forward that other people might have experienced, but haven't yet, you know, shared with us. I love that. Thank you for sharing just perspective around feedback as in general. And I love the whole analogy of try it on. Mm -hmm. try it on, keep it on, throw it off because there have been a lot of times. And again, growing up in a culture that was very results oriented where feedback, you kind of started to stack the clothes in which you had to keep on. So it was like, all right, I'll wear that. And then I got to put that sweater on and then, okay, give me the hat and shirt. Okay. Now I need gloves and boots and all these feedback just showed up and it spiraled within me of what is real and what is not real. Cause in some capacities I was getting competing feedback. So it's, I love that philosophy of understanding if somebody's in a position to receive asking for permission, if they're open to feedback and then allowing somebody the choice, right? We all have choice to keep the clothes on and say, yeah, actually, you know what? I'm going to sit with that for a minute. I'm going to, I'm just going to allow that to, I'm going to marinate. I'm going to let that it's just sit on the body for a minute mm. versus, oh, okay, that doesn't feel true to me, right? Mm. And that's not from an, I have to be mindful when it's egoic, when I'm saying that egoically versus when I'm saying like, you know what, that's just not true in my body right now. And that's okay. And that's and a okay. build, a build on that, you know, something that's been really, really important to me is if I'm feeling triggered, mm. I am not giving feedback Amen. because- feedback from a place of being triggered is my work, not theirs. So if my heart is open and I feel like I'm aligned with what's needed and it feels like easy in my body to share it, I share it. If I'm feeling heavy or frustrated or annoyed or angry, it actually has nothing to do with the person. And I got to take a step back and give myself a little bit of love and Mm. focus and feedback. Mm. Let that one sink in for a second to all my leaders listening in. (laughs) I want to pull out here entrepreneurship and what you have learned about yourself through the experience of building something from the ground up. I think the first 
most important thing is it starts with an unmet need. Mm-hmm. So if you think about what I created, I mean, a studio, right? There's many studios in Toronto specifically where we are. And so what's so different about that? And I believe what's so different is what I alluded to earlier, where, you know, this studio is not moving bodies to look good. This studio is moving bodies to feel good. And that was an unmet need I had. I was going to a lot of different studios to move my body to feel good. And I kind of walked out and everybody had just reminded me about how many calories I ate and what my beach body should look like and how many more weeks till summer. And I just, none of it fit. None of it motivated me. None of it inspired me. And so I really wanted to make that shift. And that was a pivotal point in making sure that this studio was a success, was in understanding that unmet need first and foremost. And then I would say a big part of it is not doing it alone. Mm. I have the most incredible team and community that is supporting me and lifting me every single step of the day and empowering them with ownership is everything. So it's not about just giving someone a task to do, but it's truly finding people. Like I hear that talent retention is a really hard thing. Mm -hmm. That is the one thing I have never had a hard time with. You know, I hear about studios who just can't find trainers and we have this incredible teaching trainer program that fills every year and almost all of them stay and continue to teach in some capacity or serve in some way in our community. Because I believe when you give ownership to the business, to being a part of it, not just like, you know, somebody who checks in and checks out, but it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a way of being. It becomes, they feel loved. They feel supported. They feel seen. They feel heard. They feel like they're contributing. And I truly believe that was me being able to get over my ego and say, this is not mine. This is co-created. This is something that we must do together. You know, people will walk at a class and go, oh, that was the most amazing class. And it's like, you did that. Do you think I could have done that without your energy, without you showing up in the way that you just did? That was Mm co-created. They're all mutually serving relationships, all of us. And so I think that's fundamental. Yeah, it's powerful. It's really powerful in terms of the frequency in which you create and the people who you surround yourself with. And you know, in my own experience of making that transition, one of the core things that I realized is now I had choice, right? In uh, and sometimes a corporate setting, you're around incredible humans, but you're around a lot of different humans from different perspectives and different philosophies of life. And I love bringing people onto my team that have see through a different lens or that have skill sets that I don't have, et cetera. Um, but there was a deep connection for me around you know, I want to create an environment and a culture and a team where we're actually choosing to show up every day for one another and to serve. Mm -hmm. And so that was a, that's always kind of a core thing, a core realization for me is, you know, there's a little bit more, it feels like there's more choice at least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think what you said about finding someone um, that's different from you is really, really important. You know, when we think about our team, um, I don't want trainers to come in and carbon copy my class, right? Each and every trainer comes in and they offer 
They offer a different perspective on movement. They offer a different perspective on their journey through healing. They offer a softer approach, a louder approach, a more intense approach, more restorative approach. And it's not about changing them to meet the needs of SOAR. It's about empowering them to align with what they have to offer and then giving them the space to offer it. And it makes for the most rich, meaningful experience every time you come into a class it's all different. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. I love that. I love that. Nat, somebody's listening right now that has been searching for you. You know, you've said something that has just opened them and they are vibrationally in frequency with you. And they're thinking, gosh, this is a woman I want in my, in my world. How do people access you? Where do people find you? What's going on in your world? So people know about how they can connect. Well, there's always the studio email. That's the easiest, nat, N-A-T, at sourcestudio.com, S-A-O-R, studio.com. And then there's Instagram, Nathania underscore Harrison or soar underscore studio. Um, our return, my return to you book is available on Amazon. Um, coming into the studio, I'd love to offer your listeners a free class pass. Mm. So if that's something they'd like, they can email me and I'll give it to them. Um, but I feel like we're already connected. Is that weird? Like, I feel if something resonates that I said today, that that means it's also within them. I truly believe, I mean, when you think about mentors, the ability to mentor is within all of us. It's just a matter of us tapping into what it is we admire about the people around us and knowing, knowing that it's within us. We cannot see it unless it actually exists within us. It may be dormant. We may need to awaken it. And maybe this is our moment to do that. But I truly believe that when we hear something that resonates, it's because it's already within us. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. If something did resonate in the episode here today, I will make sure that everything's linked up to get access to Nat in the show notes. And if it did resonate, what I'd love is if you can share with us, you can send us a DM privately. If you feel like it's on your heart to share it publicly, please do and tag both of us. And for me, first five people that do that, I'm going to send you a copy of Nat's book so you can have it on your coffee table as well and start to dive into a return to you. Oh, so, that's so generous. Thank you. I'm, yes, of course. It has been, as always, such an honor, privilege, just deeply, I have deep love and gratitude for you as a woman, as a soul, and spending any time with you is an absolute gift. So thank you for joining us on oh, the show today. Thanks for the opportunity. I so appreciate it. I love it. All right, Nat, we will see you soon. And listeners, we will see you again on the Jackie Service Show. Thank you for listening in to today's show. If there was a key message that landed with you, please share or send us a direct message on Instagram at Jackie Service and let us know. We love hearing from you. Also, to continue to keep this podcast growing, it would mean the world if you could take a minute and like and rate the show or share it with a friend our team is forever grateful. Until next time, we'll see you again on the Jackie Service Show.